And before we get to the show, I did want to announce we are looking for another host for the Hoofbeat segment. You know, it will require hours of dedicated listening to the discussants, thinking deeply of how to best guide listeners, working with the team to produce and record in a timely manner. If you think you might be a good fit or know someone that might be a good fit, have a listen to one of the prior Hoofbeats episodes and send us a recording of your own thoughts, your own commentary on what you would have said for a discussion in place of John or Cindy. You can record on a voice recording app or a voice memo app on your phone and email us at coreimpodcast at gmail.com. All right, we hope you enjoy the Doctors Who Create episode where we talk a little bit about how Core I Am got started and some of the things that go on behind the scenes. This was recorded earlier in the summer in 100 degree weather, so we hope you enjoy. Hi, my name is Darlena Liu, and in this episode of Doctors Who Create, we'll be talking with the team at Core IM. So to start off, I'm going to ask everyone to go around and introduce themselves, their role in Core IM, and their favorite podcast to listen to. I can start. My name is Shreya Trivedi. My role is I am, quote unquote, the executive producer. And my favorite podcast at this moment is non-medical. And it's one that Steve introduced me to, which is called Masters of Scale. I am Marty Freed. I am the vice executive producer of Core IM. My favorite podcasts. Also at the moment, non-medical, I get a real big kick out of Malcolm Gladwell's stuff. I'm also a huge fantasy baseball nerd, and so I, I listen to some of the ESPN stuff. From... I'm Steve Liu. I host the Mind the Gap segment. In terms of my favorite podcasts, I listen to a lot of conversations with Tyler. That tends to be the one I like the most. But in terms of like production, my favorite has always been uh, Planet Money. I think it's fantastic. My name is John Huang. In terms of favorite podcasts, if I can't say Planet Money... I'd have to say, actually, the, um, I am reasoning. Since everyone seems to be doing non-medical podcasts, I do want to, to give a plug for them. I, I think what they do is, is just fantastic. And uh, yeah, can't wait to be able to talk like that spontaneously. So Nice. <laughs> yeah. And let's not forget one of our favorite medical podcasts, Core IM. To get us started, do you want to introduce what exactly is Core IM? Yeah. So we like to think of it not as a podcast. Actually, we would like to think of Core IM as more of a virtual medical community, which takes the form of podcasts, social media, visual medicine, graphics, all of the above. And I guess in terms of what our hopes are with it is not just to kind of be a medical knowledge podcast, but our, our really kind of like mission statement when we sat down in our visioning board was to also be able to inspire curiosity and to really be able to move forward critical thinking. Has that vision changed from the original conception of the idea? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think it really started out as uh, an appreciation for what the EM and Crick Care community was doing. They've been at the podcast game a lot longer than general internal medicine and have been producing amazing things. And so I think at first, my goal was just to provide our learners with equally as compelling and, and interesting stuff. And I, then I think we, and Shreya has done an amazing job of bringing together a lot of diverse interests and that now it's expanded from, I think, simple just knowledge translation to like thinking deeply about how we think and looking at gaps in evidence and 
even expanding in some point in the future into like, the humanities and narrative medicine and those kind of exciting yes. things. Plug for some, some things coming up. Which brings us to the different segments of Core AM. Yeah. So kind of like Marty was saying in terms of the evolution of Core AM, initially it started off with Five Pearls, which is basically high yield, clinically relevant teaching points. I think it came from the heart of both Marty and I shared kind of this same idea that we would go to the, all these lectures and kind of come out with like, okay, wait, what did I actually take away from that? Um, and we have pretty strong backgrounds in adult learning theory and, and really wanted it to be centered around things that have been proven to improve kind of retention, which is quizzing yourself and spaced repetition. And so that was like one of the first original segments that we had thought about. And then the beautiful thing about medicine is you get to interact with so many different talented people. And that's where Steve and John, who are uniquely very, very talented, came in. I think the, the second segment that we added on was Mind the Gap, and I'll let Steve talk about his brainchild. Yeah, so I think you might be giving us a little too much credit there. Well, at least me. <laughs> uh, Mind the Gap was actually, if I recall, still your idea. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think you need to know what light people up. And if you can tap into what light people up, what their talents are, and, and loop that into the greater team and vision, then then I, I think you strike gold. And, and I think that's what happened with Mind the Gap and Hoofbeats. If you want to talk more about what is Mind the Gap. Okay, did I jump in better this time? Is that <laughs> Yeah, and, and so Mind the Gap, I guess the purpose of it is to try to, you know, we say go deeper, but in a lot of ways, what we're hoping to do is kind of highlight the resources you would use to really explore a subject. I think that it provides like a nice way, a nice way to kind of maybe bite into it in smaller chunks. I think often it can be intimidating to go through and get a lot of information thrown at you. So hopefully that's what we're achieving is by making it little smaller bits on broader topics. Uh, I think that's kind of my hope. And then came Hoofbeats. <laughs> right, Trent. Also your idea. I think that it's a sign <laughs> that this whole podcast project is maturing, that now the, the details, the origin stories become kind of shrouded and in mythology. It's not really well known. I, I, asked, I asked John one day what lights him up, and he said... To be, I think if I remember correctly, to be able to teach something in a different way, to help help learners think in a different way. Yeah, I mean, hoofbeats, it, on the surface, it's, it's a case-based reasoning exercise, as, as you said. You know, what motivates me and, and Cindy Fang, who I co-host and, and write the episodes with, is this idea that much of our insight into clinical reasoning, into how experienced diagnosticians think, through the kind of the window of sage on a stage didactics, you know, people who are essentially explaining how they're doing things. And it's it's narrow, it's limiting, and how to kind of step outside of that just a little bit. I think that that's kind of what we're going for there. It's very new, obviously, so you can't ask me what episode to start with because there's only one, but hopefully we'll make progress on that. But it's golden. I've like listened to it now six, seven times and I get something different each time I listen to it. So a huge plug for that episode. That was definitely the impression I got listening to the Hoofbeats episode. It was like doing an exercise in clinical reasoning. We essentially, we, we break the case down into to one or two big chunks. And you know, as you're saying, the idea is to give the listener a chance before the discussant goes off you know, on, on their sort of tangent to give the listener a chance to think to themselves, how would I approach this problem? What is What are my methods to break down this problem? And I, I think that this is an important step to take because it's, I think it's only when we recognize that we don't have the appropriate tools to kind of dissect, okay, you know, how, how do you approach thrombocytopenia in this kind of a patient? That's kind of, I think, when listeners are primed or are kind of cued to prick their ears up. One thing I learned from listening to that episode was how much medical telephone goes on and how the story reveals itself. 
in little layers and how to pay attention to certain pieces of evidence that might be more important than others. I do think we should ask ourselves, how much time should we be dedicating in our medical curricula to exploring the histology of various glomerular lesions versus how much time should we dedicate teaching our trainees to practice kind of returning to the source or kind of practicing, you know, how to broaden their thinking. I do question sometimes the relative importance we assign things, you know, in, in, in certainly in preclinical teaching. I think it's, I think it's easier. I think it's easier to, to teach a bunch of, you know, H&E stained slides um, than it is to like sit down in a mentorship relationship and, and like dissect how did you approach that problem? You know, what are you missing? What, what was great about that? Or like where people just throw around things all the time, cutoffs, uh, days for antibiotics, et cetera. And, and we have no idea where the data comes from, but you're, you feel comfortable. You're like, oh, I've done this a hundred times. Let's do it again on this patient. And to, to rethink that and to have some backup for why we do or, or don't do things is, is really great. So how do you see Mind the Gap or Hoofbeats fitting in with medical education? Because that seems like to be one of the goals of your project. Hopefully in a lot of ways, I think these podcasts are really, uh, it's like a nice supplemental way of approaching this. Um, it's a uh, companion, uh, what was it? What's the right word for it? An add-on? Yeah, I think, so Marty and I actually just gave a talk on this at SGM where we really emphasize podcasts or, you know, what the broader world calls, calls it foam as really an adjunct to medical education, not a replacement, but to really, I think our underlying goal is to really empower in multiple ways, whether it's critical thinking or being able to talk to patients differently, et cetera. But it's more of an adjunct and, and not replacing. So this kind of segues into what made you interested in creating a podcast or being a host for a podcast? So I kind of mentioned this in terms of the the heart of it, which was kind of feeling very alone in terms of my medical education where I, I just felt like in the hustle and bustle of the day, I never had a chance to stop, to consolidate, to synthesize. And then kind of like, as we mentioned, every segment had its own permutation and, and vision for why it was was created. And then in terms of hosting a podcast, I guess I can't speak it's never like, it was never like, oh, I, I need to be the host. I'm very happy giving the space to other people. But one thing I do feel very strongly about is, uh, in particular, is for women in medicine. I think we're in a particularly lucky time where female physicians have opportunities that previous generations did not have, where it's opportunities to express, have a voice, to show their insights, to have their vision. And so I feel very grateful that we're in a time where we have podcasts and blogs and can be a voice and, and, also be right up against male voices. I think it's I think it's a good point and I also don't think it's unintentional that all of our shows have one female speaker and one male speaker. How did the team come together? How are you recruited to join? It seems like you have a very good team dynamic going on. Yeah. Well, I think I think we were we were all kind of Trent, don't mince words none of us would yeah. be here if it wasn't for you and, and 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 marty you know i not, i would not have even considered Trey, this yeah. at all possible if it, if it weren't for you guys i feel like that's something i didn't realize is how great endeavors like this are so often driven by the vision and uh, persistence of, that is, that is of very, one or two key people very you know? very very uh nice to hear but i guess i i feel the very opposite in terms of I think it's so important in terms of your team members and who you choose 
I feel so grateful to be a part of a team where we are all so supportive of each other. Yes, we have our own segments, but very equally, like Steve will give me his editor insights to almost all the things that we do and I'll listen in on everything or not she asked (laughs) right (laughs) I'm trying to be quiet okay (laughs) or I'll just be the background silence when Cindy and John are recording hoofbeats and be like no no no, wait that that's not a good transition or do this instead and I love that we are so supportive and rooting for each other and um, really in it for okay how are we going to produce the highest quality product to help thousands of listeners around the world and I think I think that is I'm so grateful for this team. Do you have any prior experience with podcasting or hosting and producing? What's your technical background? Steve, I just learned last week that apparently you've been script writing since you were nine years. Am I going to embarrass you? No, no, no. This is also... My friends in high school loved to make movies. And so we used to write scripts and like, you know make movies as like amateurs but i don't really have any real experience any more than any of these guys do i don't think the real brainchild of a lot of these not brainchild what's the right word the real guy behind the scenes is harit who's not here right now but he was the one that helped us with all of our editing with all of the all the stuff that we did to make it sound how it sounds was all driven by him yeah so hurry is not a doctor but um Hurry just so happens to also be my husband, but he... Just happens to be, just like <laughs> so by accident. <laughs> I recruited him <laughs> in multiple arenas in my life, but he, uh, right, he's he's an electrical engineer, but he um, just picked up audio editing and, and really was a great technical support to have. So um, that's something also important to keep in mind. So it sounds like there's a bit of a learning curve, but here we are today. As, a, as, a, as an example of this whole... <laughs> today's recording endeavor it was a process it was a long process i don't know if anyone wants to give the listeners a synopsis of what happened all the rookie mistakes that happened to get to this recording i I don't even understand what happened but (laughs) for you guys listening we're sitting on shreya's floor right now with various books and boxes in front of us to support the microphones (laughs) this is the most uh resourceful recording studio one has ever seen we should really take a picture of this what's the typical process like of producing an episode from start to finish. You know, I will tell you, um, so we have like kind of um, at this point have figured out what needs to happen, but I I don't, I think we're still far from a typical, like we, every, every like episode um, that I've been involved in has a different location or, you know, a different remote, someone's recording remotely or, you know, you realize that your field recorder is broken and so you have to, you know, devise one like, you know, Apollo 13 with <laughs> <laughs> duct tape and pencils. Yes. And, um, but uh, sure, I mean, you should like walk us through uh, like the general outline, but I would just say there's like, like today, there's a enormous amount of problem solving at every step of the way. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I guess the basics of it starts with a vision for what we want our learners to take away from the podcast. And then from there, developing a script, getting it peer reviewed, particularly the five pearl segment and the mind the gap segment, which can be a huge burden in terms of time. But we believe it's well worth it that we are putting out content that is as high quality and up to date as possible. And then the actual recording, audio editing, as well as making sure we have a strong visual graphic for all our visual learners out there. I, <laughs> that was it. I wish there was a. I wish there was a sexier way to introduce how the process. But it's it's a it's a pretty long process. Like I, I want to sincerely say, like 
20, 30 hours, nights, weekends. But it's a joyful process and it's so beautiful having a strong product at the end. There's like, does it pass the Steve test? (laughs) (laughs) The Steve test? What? (laughs) Steve is the best, uh, best critic to have on your team, I feel. If it can pass this, like, I I just, I, I really love his strong editorial eye. I think I'm like an optimist sometimes where, but Steve will be like, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. Or like, how is this going to work? And so, so yeah, there's, there's a Steve test involved, but I think usually we're all very supportive of each other and whatever kind of idea or vision we have, we kind of help each other run with. It sounds like you have a lot of other responsibilities on your plate. How long does it take to go from that original idea to a fully polished episode ready to go out on iTunes? What's your shortest turnaround and what's your longest turnaround? I mean, with me, we're talking order of months, I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, yeah, I would, I would very much agree. I think that our, maybe like even my most polished, shortest turnaround has been a month and a half, a month. And then like Latent TB sat on my mailbox and multiple revisions for at least four or five months. So has podcasting influenced your understanding of or your practice of medicine? Yeah, so I so I think not only do I have uh, a new set of teaching points every other week <laughs> from the podcast that gets produced, but I find myself having interesting conversations with people about laying out this scaffold of like in, uh, another episode. Going off of what you were saying, I've found that podcasting has been a great way to meet other people in the medical field and start that conversation. I think it's a great creative outlet. I I can't emphasize enough whether it's podcasting, blogging, or other people have many different creative outlets, but, you know, talking about being in a space and time where there's a lot of burnout, a lot of time spent in front of the EMR. For me, I I can say for sure, I was in a bad place last year when we were initially thinking about this. And this just gave me life in so many respects and hope. And I think it's even been studied having a creative outlet can really help with resiliency and pulling people out of out of burnout. And so it, it's been a great journey and helped me grow and evolve in so many ways. I feel like I understand what you're saying intuitively, Shreya. I, I feel for anyone who's been an attending, I think you feel the the stress of engaging the people that you that you work with. I mean, working in a hospital is is not easy. And I, I just always I feel that pressure is the cases are, are always too easy or the residents are too tired or they're interesting for learners at some levels, but not, you know, at learners for others, you know, and I, I feel like I, I have to admit your love of for what you do, you know, if you're a doctor isn't an infinite replenishing resource. It has to be actively refilled. And I feel like creating these podcasts and listening to them is is one way to do that. I, I think I realize that you can't rely simply on showing up to work every day as a guarantee that you'll, you know, at the end of the year, at the end of five years, your your joy, your love of what you do will, will be intact. Can't take that for granted. I, I mean, my process, I think, is a lot... Um... I just look for a topic that I don't know much about, which is a lot of things. And then the things that I take for granted, which is even more. So it ends up being relatively straightforward. You can have a conversation with somebody for like five minutes. And the thing about it is that like, I'll say something with absolute certainty. And fortunately, Shreya is a lovely human being and won't question me right off the bat. And then I'll just think to myself, what the hell did I say? Or sometimes she will question me and I'll have to think, 
why am I saying any of this stuff? How do I know any of this is true? And the truth is often you don't really know what's true. This concept of absolute truth in medicine, I think it's it's a nice story that we tell ourselves to help you sleep at night and it's good. You have to get a lot of sleep. That's that's like a good thing. But uh, you know, when you start to chip away at it, one thing John and I used to talk a lot about when we started off as attendings was you know, we all have this imposter syndrome. We're all just better different. Uh, we're just different at hiding how much of it you feel. Maybe the thing you learn in medical school when you start off as a first year medical student is you are honest. And then when you're an attending, you learn how to hide it really, really well. But I think that the thing we talk about most is kind of about how important it is to not hide that because that's really where these like opportunities are for you to really start to not only like question it, but kind of fulfill what John was talking about. It's these the, the things that make you want, want to show up to work every day. Uh, and so, so I think that that's kind of where I trace a lot of this stuff too. I also feel like that that curiosity, that sense of curiosity, and the sense that actually I don't really know uh, as much as I think I do. I mean, would you guys agree that this creating podcast it's an incredibly equalizing sort of influence? I feel like medicine is an area I think where there shouldn't be any hierarchy to begin with. But if there was ever any doubt, I feel like the, both the process of creating this with you guys and the uncertainty that it's generated in my own clinical knowledge is sufficient for me to to say you know what you know when i start off at the beginning of a rotation and i look my students square in the eye you know there is seven years and very little else separating you and me. And I, I do think that's one of the benefits to, to, to this as well. For our listeners who may not have uh, listened to Core IM before, are there any episodes that you recommend that they go and listen to right now? Or can you give us a teaser for episodes in the pipeline that we should look out for? So everyone should listen to episode 14, which is the first episode of Hoofbeats. Five Pearls Adrenal Insufficiency, I just want to point out, I have already used that episode clinically twice, so if, if that is any indicator, just putting that out there. It, it's one of those topics that's never really nailed down fully, at least that's what, that's what I feel like. You think you have it and then it just it kind of pops up when you're, not, when you're not looking, so. All really great points. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you all for your time and for sharing your wisdom. I know it was a process getting to this point, but we're here. Be sure to check out Core IM, available on iTunes or any podcast app that you have. If you've liked what you've heard so far, please check out Core IM and Doctors Who Create on iTunes and other podcasting channels. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please email us at coreimpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at at coreimpodcast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at coreimpodcast. Opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent the opinions of NYU or other affiliated institutions. Do not use this podcast for medical advice. Instead, see your own healthcare provider for medical care. All right. Thanks for joining us. See you guys next Wednesday. Take care.